Welcome to the Florence Guild podcast, a collection of conversations with business and cultural leaders delivering insight into future approaches to business and life. Through conversations in an array of styles, from salon talks to lifestyle events, through to intimate facilitated lunches and dinners, Florence Guild promotes encounters, satiates curiosity, and allows insight into future approaches to business and life. The following Florence Guild conversation was recorded live at Work Club Sydney, Australia's most forward-thinking workspace. This episode's conversation is about emotional intelligence of leaders. Leaders today are navigating enormous change created by constant economic uncertainty, shifting consumer expectations, technological advancement and significant generational differences. Professionals traditionally have high cognitive intelligence and technical skill. However, they are not often well-trained to deal with issues requiring social and emotional intelligence. In this episode, you will learn why emotional intelligence is a crucial skill and how to develop it in yourself and others. Grant Herbert is the CEO and founder of People Builders and has been a leadership trainer and coach for over 35 years. He has learned that the key to developing others' emotional intelligence is to first help them replace the mindsets and behaviors that are currently sabotaging their results. Emotional Intelligent Leadership, a Florence Guild conversation with Grant Herbert. All right, well, hey, welcome everybody and thank you to Work Club for giving me this opportunity. Um, I get to travel uh, around the globe talking about uh, emotional intelligence and helping people to build it. Um, and it's, uh, it's really good to be doing one sitting down and doing it as a more of a conversation thing. And I really want that to be uh, how we go today, um, if that's okay. And uh, some of you are sitting there right now. I'm a human behavior expert, so I know that there's people in the room going, oh crap, he's interactive. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll normally ask you a question as you're just about to put food in your mouth, uh, whatever. <laughs> but hey, we'll just keep it really, really casual. So uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, yeah, so who am I? I'm Grant Herbert. Uh, I am an emotional intelligence expert. Um, in some countries, uh, I'm called a guru, and it took me a long time to get used to that. All it means, though, is a high-level teacher. Um, but at the end of the day, I need you to understand that I'm a work in progress in its implementation, just like everybody else. You know, uh, I'm a subject matter expert, and that's great. And I know that there'll be people in the room that have uh, expertise in certain areas. It doesn't mean that you're perfect at it. It doesn't mean that you're um, able to always be emotionally intelligent. You know, I just came from my uh, first appointment this morning in an Uber, which uh, with the changes in George Street and whatever took a lot longer than it said to get there um, and therefore took me a little bit longer to get here than I wanted to and a trigger for me is traffic and uh, particularly when someone else is driving you know who, who's like that if someone else if you're behind the wheel yourself you feel a little bit more in control um, and there was this lady in front of us um, who I think she was on a phone but when the lights went green it took a little bit longer for her to realize that it was go time and um, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, if he doesn't bip his horn soon, I'm going to. So I want you to understand <laughs> that I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a work in progress. Um, so I've uh, been trained and developed myself over many years in this topic. 
probably and mainly out of a lack of it through my own corporate career. So I have a, a military career and a corporate career where as a leader, I struggle big time. And let me tell you, because of that, lots of people that I led struggled as well. You don't need to put your hand up, but I know there'd be people in this room that have been promoted into a position when they were very highly technically skilled because that was what happened in the organisation. We better keep this person, we better give them a promotion into a leadership or a management position where they get to look after people. And a lot of times, and it was certainly my experience, um, it doesn't matter that you've got these great technical skills or genius in a certain area, um, you can definitely lack an ability and a confidence and a certainty in being able to work with people if you lack emotional intelligence skills. Is, is there anyone in the room who's a little bit like that as well? Yeah? Great. And right now I'm sitting here as a speaker going, oh crap, they're not interactive, but that's fine. <laughs> That, that's You're pretending that we are, because I looked this for me, I thought less people had their hands up. Exactly. <laughs> They've, everyone except you behind you had their hands up. So thank you. Thank you. So who am I really, though? Look, I'm an ordinary guy with an outstanding wife, five amazing kids, and three awesome grandkids, who's just on his own journey of imperfection, just like everybody else in the room. And there's nothing new that I've made up that I'm going to talk to you about today. Uh, I don't know anything except what I've learnt from a book or a program or a mentor that I haven't then taken and implemented and seen success in my life. So for some of you in the room, I could be just this much further ahead of you um, in you know, some of the things that I'm going to talk about. And, and that for me is a key that I want you to understand that emotional intelligence is a lifelong journey. It's not something you learn and then all of a sudden you're emotionally intelligent. You know, and I put my pants on one leg at a time most mornings, uh, just like everybody else. And what I love to do as I get to work with people all around the globe is share predominantly from my own experience. You know, from as a leader, as I said, going through military and corporate, you know, I made people's lives challenging. Um, you know, I, I don't believe that people get up of a morning. Now, unless they are a clinical psychopath who has a, a problem with their part of their brain, a brain injury. Okay, but other than that, I don't think anyone on the planet gets up of a morning and goes, yes, I get to go to work today and make people feel miserable and, and really mess with their heads and be nasty to them or, or etc. You know, I'm pretty sure there's no one. Now, some people in the room are thinking, you don't know my boss. Um, but that's my belief. And whether I'm a realist or not, you can decide on that. But it, a lack of the skills that we're going to talk about today are the reasons why people behave in a way that is not even true to their own values. You know, and I, I know we could probably talk about many people in the room. And um, as we go through this today, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, knowledge, something that you might already know something about. Um, but I want to really make sure I leave some time to answer some real questions for you today. Obviously in context rather than content. So when we get to that point, I'll probably reiterate that again. But if I don't, um, yeah, no names, no companies, none of that sort of stuff. If they're in the room, we don't look at them when we're talking about that sort of stuff. Um, but I really want to empower you today to go away from here uh, with a little bit more knowledge and, and uh, implementation of this. So can I ask a question first? Who in the room has heard, other than on the invitation to come to this, of emotional intelligence? Can I see your hand? All right, so 
Hands down. So who has heard of it, but they've even gone further than that. They've actually read uh, Daniel Goleman's book, for example, Emotional Intelligence. Yeah, right. So let's go a level deeper. Who's actually had some formalized training, development, coaching, mentoring in emotional intelligence? Yeah, four people, okay? Five people, including me. And that's my experience. A lot of people have heard of it. A lot of people know that it's a good thing. It must be. And a lot of people, though, think it's the warm and fuzzy skills. And if that's you in the room today, that's okay too. Let me tell you, there's a term, um, like my friend over here, I'm a disruptor as well. There's some things that really uh, challenge me with language people use. And there's this thing out there called soft skills. And my experience is, and some people put emotional intelligence in the soft skills box. My experience is any of the skills that people call soft skills, they're not the soft ones. They're the ones that do our head in. They're the ones that are challenging. You know, our technical skills, our ability to do what our genius is in the technical area of our role, I find that a lot easier than working with people. Is anyone with me? Great, glad I got some hands up at this point. Now I love people, and as I said before, um, you know, I, I have a belief that uh, inherently people wanna be nice to people and they wanna get on with other people. But there's a belief structure that each and every one of us has, and there's a skill set that each and every one of us has that will either uh, make that a, an easy thing or more challenging thing. All right, so here's what I know. We can reduce stress and conflict and increase engagement and productivity by developing social emotional intelligence in leadership. You know, I look back, as I said, in my corporate career. Actually, let's go back to my military career. I remember being asked once when I was being counselled about how I dealt with a subordinate. Fantastic, our language that we use. Um, and they said, so did you make it clear to... I said, yeah, I made it exactly clear to them why they had to do what they were told. I gave them three reasons and they're all on my arm. All right? Now, obviously, I've learnt to be a little bit different um, since then. But I didn't know that there was such a thing as emotional intelligence. And neither did the people, obviously, that employed me through my corporate career, or they would have sent me to get some training on the stuff. And I know that my career was a roller coaster in terms of my success based on my level of self-worth and by my inability in these key skill areas. So I've got a lot of passion about helping younger people, people younger than me, or whatever age, to not go through, or indeed not put others through what I put them through. And a lot of stress comes from a lack of these skills that we're talking about today. You know, 50% of wasted time in business is due to a lack of trust, which is a key competency of social and emotional intelligence. You know, who here is busy? They've got lots on all the time. Yeah, like I know some of you won't put your hand up because you know it's a trick question. But we wear busy as a badge. In fact, busy is probably not the badge we all wear now. We wear stressed. Who's stressed? Yeah, we're stressed. And I don't care whether they tell me it's desserts backwards. It, do, you know, it doesn't help at all. Like stress <laughs> is stress and it creates some issues. However, those same people, and I was one of them, 
find it challenging to delegate to other people. I don't have enough time, I'm busy. However, I'm not gonna delegate. And the reason we do that, we tell ourselves in our subconscious mind or consciously, I don't know if they're gonna do the job as good as I can do it. Or I say things like, still sometimes today with my team, you know what, it'd probably take me longer to explain it than to just do it. You know, just because I can do it doesn't mean that I should. And, and these things will create a lot of stress because we end up doing stuff that's not in our genius. We end up doing stuff that uh, fits into our day or fills our day and holds us back from you know, doing the other stuff that we need to do. So that's just one example of social and emotional intelligence being important in leadership. But let me just step it back one level if I can on leadership. By the way, let's do it. Who in the room's a leader? Great. Once again, a trick question. Every single one of us should put our hand up for that question. And that is because even if you're only leading you, you're a leader. And you're a leader even if you don't think you are. And I believe that leadership itself has gone from being what it always was, and that is a set of character traits to these things, these skills that we need to learn so that we can work well and we can manage or lead other people. So I believe we need to come back to personal leadership. So leading self, and I find that the most challenging person I've ever had to lead is myself and you know, the conversations, my self-talk and the uh, things that I talk to myself about, I would never talk to anyone else like that. And I know there are people in the room like that as well. You know, particularly if we're operating uh, in the performance trap where we're continually performing to get approval from other people. So let's step it back and today what I'd love you to do is take this on from a personal leadership perspective. And how do I lead me before I lead others? So here's some of the problems that I see. We've already talked about one of them. There's conflict everywhere. Conflict, firstly, with ourselves. You know, anyone here have conversations with themselves like me? Yeah. Anyone here ever go, why are you thinking like this? Why, why are you acting? Yeah. Right? Do you answer yourself as well? Yeah, I, I do. I do as well, right? And, you know, so for me, I find with most people, if we're honest, the biggest relationship challenge and the most conflict we have is with ourselves. When things go outside what our true values are. My main message as I travel the world is authenticity. And that's why a lot of the times I will talk about my story because I want to be vulnerable, I want to be real. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I'm true to me, and when I do that, I can do a better job at being helping others as well. So personal leadership, conflict with yourself, conflict with others. Right? Who, who, who finds that sometimes people are hard to get along with? Yeah, I didn't even put my hand up that time, and then some went up, right? And, you know, I'll get asked a lot of times to come in and talk about dealing with difficult customers or dealing with difficult people. I'm like, okay, well, look, yeah, I could do that. However, I don't think it, there's such a thing as a difficult person or a difficult customer. Right? There's reasons why there's a, a lack of communication between you know, those people. But there's a lot of conflict. And conflict and challenges with emotion causes a lack of engagement. You know, years ago, we used to just have this thing called absenteeism. 
And now we've got this thing called presenteeism. So they're at work, or let's be honest, we're at work, but we're not really at work. We're disengaged. You know, I think statistics are fantastic, right? And I know that 87.265% of all statistics are made up on the spot in the room, just like that one, right? However, they, and I don't know who they are, but they say that it's only about 23% of the global workforce that are, I think it might even be smaller than that now, that are actually engaged fully in their work. And there's like about the same number at the other end that are disengaged on purpose looking for another job. So, I'm not going to look at that person right now. Um, so, engagement becomes a problem and this is to do with a lack of emotional intelligence. And it hijacks your health. You know, I'm sitting here today as someone who has a condition, I love it when it's a condition, that means, in my opinion, that we, we can't actually find a medical reason for why you feel like you are, so we, we, we're going to call it a condition. But I've got, I've got a condition where I can have a fantastic sleep and then feel like I've never had, haven't had any the next day. It's a thing called fibromyalgia. I've suffered from adrenal fatigue, stage three, stage four is death apparently. So I've burnt out three times. Three times physically, one time mentally at the same of one of the physical times. So I understand stress, I understand conflict, and I understand where a lack of emotional intelligence can lead you. And it can really be damaging to your health. You know, it can bring on you know, high blood sugar, high levels of cortisol in your body. All these things are very, very damaging to us. But it doesn't have to be this way. You know, when we develop these skills, we can have great relationships and relationships can be restored even if they're broken. Remember when we were a kid, we can have a fight with someone or a disagreement and then that afternoon or 10 minutes later, we could be friends again. You know, my daughter, my youngest um, of my five kids, I've got twins, a boy and a girl, and Tegan was born two minutes later. So uh, she uses the fact that she's the youngest um, and her brother uses the fact that he's older as well. But she has this friend that she calls her BFFSK. So it's her best friend forever since kindergarten. And she would come home from, you know, after I got through my corporate career and I learnt to uh, disengage from work and actually invest time in my family and when I got home on an individual basis. I'd talk to Tiggy and I'd say, hey baby, how was school today? She said, oh dad, it was terrible. I had this fight with Emma, that's it, we're not friends. We're finished. Now that could be Wednesday. Friday I'd come home and here's Emma having a sleepover at our house. Kids get over stuff quickly. We can learn to do that as an adult as well when we have these skills. You know, people can get on, we can have great unity and health and wellness in the workplace and you know, we can enjoy being who it is that we want to be in every area of our life. So to do that, we need this thing called social and emotional intelligence. Now, what is it? So social and emotional intelligence is the ability to be aware of your own emotions and the emotions of others in the moment. And then to use that information to manage yourself and manage your relationships. So let me just pull that apart a little bit for you. So the first thing there is that it's an ability. It's a set of skills. 
It's something that we need to learn. It's an ability first to be aware. You know, self-awareness or the lack thereof is one of the biggest challenges that we have, you know, with anything to do with working with people. Aware of our own emotions first. And though, be able to read the emotions of others or even an entire room. But here's the key. It's not about, you know, who's heard this myth that, you know, uh, you know, men are not able to express their emotions, but ladies are. Hey, I know that, and I've had ladies tell me this regularly, that there's women in the room when they hear that going, what? I have no clue either. I don't know how to express my emotions. So it's not a gender specific thing at all. Now, see, I, years ago, people getting up and leaving, I would have been thinking, what do I do? Right? Now, I just believe they're going to the bathroom. So, I took myself on a tangent there. What was I talking about? Genders. Thank you. So it's not about that. It's about in the moment, right here, right now, what's the emotion I'm going through? How do I know I'm going through with it? Through it? What's going on in my body? What's going on in my self-talk, in my thought pattern? And what's it doing to my behavior? So if I were to go around the room right now, and for the sake of time, we won't do this, I would ask, What's the emotion that you're going through right now? Now, clearly, because I'm out here speaking, most of you would be something like exhilaration or, or whatever, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to believe that. One of the competencies, by the way, of social emotional intelligence is realistic optimism. It's one I'm still working on. So there is 2,000 or more, over 2,000 now words in the English language to describe an emotion that we could be going through right now. Most of us use about six. So we're either happy or we're sad. What, what else have we got? Angry, Angry. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you read the cat in the hat books too. <laughs> so we've got these ones that we always go to and that's the challenge because self-awareness is the first bit but then the second thing is using that information to manage yourself. So if you think that you're frustrated, but you're not actually there, you're going to manage or have a strategy which is not going to match where you are. And this is where the confusion comes in. So the second part, look, just like you investing time to have lunch with me today and hear about this is only of value if you take what you learn and use it. It's exactly the same with that awareness. And that's why the second part says to use that information to manage yourself and manage your relationships. See what I did there, because I, this is what I did in school, um, is I said it again, and I noticed a couple of people went to write it, because were you like that in school where you had kept asking? Sorry, can you just repeat that last bit? Um, I used to do that all the time. So, that, so here's, a, here's an example. So if I go home tonight and somebody, I'm sitting in the lounge room with my family and somebody knocks our front door down and says, I'm going to take your children. Now, who understands that any father worth his salt is going to do whatever he can, or mum, to stop that from happening? So it's not the what that's the issue, it's the how. So if I was to, you know, subdue that person as peaceably as I could while my beautiful five foot three wife went and rang the police and got them to turn up, and then they took that person away, then I've used whatever fight-flight emotion that has gone on there, I've managed it. 
But if I got so angry and enraged and thought, how dare you come into my home and threaten my family? That it welled up inside me and the behavior and the thoughts that led to that made me go over and reach behind the lounge and grab my metaphorical baseball bat and beat that person into submission. Who understands that when the police comes, they're taking two people away. Same emotion, one managed and one not. So it's not about getting rid of emotion. We need emotions. We are emotional beings. You know, the age of artificial intelligence is upon us. And I, and this is my belief, am one to say that I don't think we'll ever be successful if we take away people totally, uh, which is a good thing. And if any of you are building robots in the room, that I want you to tell them that so they don't think they can take over the world. Because emotions are important. We're emotional beings. You know, I've heard people say, oh, my dad taught me that when I go to work, I park my emotions outside and I go into Try doing that. It's not possible. We're an emotional being. So let me just give you a couple of key principles. In fact, there's four or five to help you to understand how to take this beyond this. So the first thing we've got to understand is IQ is not enough. You know, our IQ gets us into our role in the technical side of things. And I do a lot of law, work in law firms and with lawyers, and that's where I sort of specialise. And um, I always tell them, you know, like you go to, you, through high school, you're the smartest and you got the smartest marks, and then you went to law school and everyone's smart because they all got those marks. All right? And IQ, what, you know, is not enough. And even our learned friend, Albert Einstein, who since they started measuring IQ, is one of the highest ever measured, said, be careful not to make intellect your God. Uh, it has, of course, powerful muscles. It makes a great servant, but never a great master. He said so many great things. And it makes sense because it wasn't my IQ, it wasn't my technical ability that created problems for me in my corporate career and for most leaders. It was my emotional intelligence or lack thereof. So that's the first thing. The second thing is a phrase that was coined by Daniel Goleman in his book back in 95. Now there's further neuroscience and I'm a total believer that we stay on the cutting edge with that as we learn new things we need to uh, use them. You know it's like years ago they used to do open heart surgery they did open heart surgery now they can put a couple of little holes and do keyhole. Um, the fact that we now know that we can do it with a couple of keyholes would be really stupid if we still cut people open right. So um, we understand more about neuroscience now. So Daniel termed this phrase, uh, coined this phrase amygdala hijack. Anyone heard of it? Yeah hopefully the people who read his book. So a little bit of brain 101. So inside each of us, no matter what other people tell you, you have a brain. And in that brain, there's a couple of key areas. So obviously you've got the brain stem, you know, leading up cerebellum, which is at the back of the brain, motor skills, all that sort of stuff. That's why in, you know, movies, they always hit him in the back of the head with the gun and it knocks him out straight away. And then it goes up into the limbic brain, which is in the deep center of the brain. And that's our 
brain, part of our brain for memory, emotional memory, emotional regula regulation. And inside that, there's two little almond-shaped nodes, one on either hemisphere, called the amygdala. And what it is there for is to regulate fear and aggression. And it's linked through the hippocampus to long-term memory, and, and it's also linked to short-term memory. So what happens is, sorry, we then have the second part of our brain I want to talk about, which is the outer layer. By the way, if you were like me and you thought it was all wrinkly because that's where the neural pathways were, it's not. Um, just a little bit of trivia. If we were to spread out the whole neocortex, it would be about the size of a large napkin. And any ladies who have had babies in the room would understand why it's not that big. So for evolu in, through evolution, it's sort of crammed in there. And it's a thin layer on the outside. And particularly the front part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive command center that makes good decisions. Right. Anyone here know teenagers? Yeah? Do they make dumb decisions sometimes? Did you say no? Oh, sorry, I thought you said no. Here's the reason why. They're supposed to. Because the prefrontal cortex, the executive command center that makes good decisions, isn't actually fully formed in our brain until about 25, which is why health insurance companies let you have your kids on your health insurance up until that point, and it's why other insurances are 21 to 25. I didn't know that until a few years ago. So there's the two areas of our brain. So something happens around us. Information goes into the brain via the thalamus, which is in the limbic system. It then distributes that information to the amygdala and to the cortex at the same time. And it can take six to nine seconds roughly to go from there to there. So if the amygdala goes, warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson, there's something that I fear here, what it actually does, it cuts off all the data going to the prefrontal cortex and traps it in the emotional brain. Who had that happen sometime today, this week? Yeah. So when I just teach people just that little bit of understanding of you know, how the brain works with emotions. It opens, turns the lights on for them to go, okay, so what we've got to be able to do then is learn how to control that response. So what happens, it blocks it off, no good decision gets made, and then we go to a emotional reaction. So emotional intelligence is all about knowing why that's happening. What is it that I'm fearing? Chunking it down to work out what am I really feeling and then having strategies to be able to regulate those emotions. Another thing is we, we, we need to understand is it starts with self-awareness. You know, if we're not sure of what emotions we're even going through, we need to learn. We need to build our vocabulary around that. We need to understand when we're going through those emotions and then we need to understand why. And let's just deal with us for the rest of this today. So awareness is really, really important. You know, we've got to start with a, some sort of diagnosis. Going back six, nearly seven years ago now, I was diagnosed with uh, melanoma. Uh, wrongly diagnosed a number of years before that. So if your GP has skincare specialist on the top of their door, check it out. Anyway, that's another story. And I lost a thumb and lymph nodes and whatever, and, and it sort of tipped me way over the edge with stress, health anxiety and all that sort of stuff. 
Why was I telling you that? Yes. So that started, though, me, you know, getting better, because I'm now over five years clear, um, started with a diagnosis. And emotional awareness is just like that. So you need to do some sort of self-assessment. You need to get others involved and get their feedback and ask them. Because who understands sometimes that people have a different opinion of themselves to, yeah, yeah you obviously work with some people like I have, um, to what you might think. They might think empathy, for example, that's one of the competencies I work on a lot. Um, they might think, oh, I'm very empathetic. And others are thinking, oh, no, I think you're just pathetic. You know, so we, we need to get others involved in it as well. So here's what I do. And if this is something, and I, I don't, look, if one person here today goes, I'm going to go and learn more about this and sort this out for my life and for others, then I'm happy with that. So here's what we do. We go, okay, this is where I want it to be, but what's the reality right now? Where am I with this? And the next thing I need to understand is all we then do is train the gap. We then incrementally increase those competencies that we're lacking in. And we start, though, by looking at what we're already good at and working out, um, am I leveraging that? And then we need to have an environment of support and accountability to allow us the time and space to change our behaviour. You know, emotions are linked to behaviour. And we understand through the findings of neuroscience that there's this wonderful thing now called neuroplasticity. And what it says is we can rewire our brain. So just because I lacked emotional intelligence here, I've been able to rewire my brain just like you have over the period of your lifetime to have different behaviours. Because the challenge is it can take one 250,000th of a second to go from an ingrained learned sorry, from a thought to an ingrained learned behaviour, just like that. So it's going to take a period of time of changing those initial thoughts and beliefs and behaviours for us to be able to change something like that. So it's not something that hope happens overnight, but it will happen. Some of you got that. So that's what emotional intelligence is. How do you get it? You start with awareness. You then give yourself space, put yourself in an environment where you learn these competencies because you're not born with them. So before I go any further, I want to throw it open to you. I want to ask you, what's, what have you got so far? What's one thing that you've got out of what I've said so far that you didn't know? And more importantly, how are you going to use it? So let me just get some interaction. Now, right now, some of you have got an amygdala hijack situation going on. And you're thinking, well, I'm not gonna, I've got a good question. Oh, actually, I've got a question. You're not going to tell yourself it's good. Oh, I've got a question. I'm not asking it. I'm not going to be first. What if it's a dumb question? What if people don't like my question? What if I don't like the answer? So I'm giving you time to come up with a question as we're doing this. So I really want to teach you before I leave today how you can overcome that voice, which is keeping you safe, it thinks, but it's actually holding you back. So now, who's going to step up and be the first leader? So help me with your name firstly. Nicola. Nicola. Thanks, Nicola. Um, my question for you is, 
I know we're talking about ourselves, but say, and usually you have these reactions because you're dealing with someone else. Um, if you can't seem to break through or empathise or get to the nub of what the other person is re themselves reacting to, how do you proceed? Okay, so obviously, great question, thank you. Obviously, I can only handle this question contextually because yeah. I don't know the content of who. We've all had... Yeah, no, that, 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 that yeah. Or, yeah. Here's the thing, right? And I know it's not the answer that you want to hear. None of us want to hear this. So I have a goal that in every situation, I'm the most, I'm the most emotionally intelligent person in that situation. It's not always the case. I have teenage kids, right? However, that's my goal. I am not in control of the other person's behaviour, but I am in control of how I influence their behaviour. So the first thing that we need to do, and this is part of our awareness, is we need to make sure that we're always coming from a position of cause rather than effect. So we need to make sure that we got above the line thinking around it and we're taking responsibility for what we're, for what we're doing and influence their behaviour. So, <clears throat> and for those of you who may not have heard the question, the question, the context basically is, you know, um, I'm going to paraphrase what Nicola said, but basically is, I'm doing the best here, but this person's just not getting it and I'm not getting through to them. So the first thing to realise is that when we say things like that, and this is why people don't ask questions, right? Because of the answers that I give. We're, we're focusing on who? We're focusing on us. We're focusing on us and going, it's about me. And that can take us down a lot of different rabbit holes, depending on what other beliefs we have about ourselves, etc., which will totally change our emotional situation and therefore our response or reaction to what we're getting from the other person. So just so that I can give you something though that you can tangibly use. Here's what I do nowadays. Oh, what I used to do, I would actually say, I'm not getting through to you, am I? <laughs> that helped tremendously. <laughs> Made me feel better, right? I can see the lights are on, but no one's home. It's not gonna work, right? And I didn't do that with malice. That just came out of my subconscious. Here's what I do now. I go, hey Nicola, I'm just sensing here that I'm not communicating this well enough and I'm, I'm actually feeling that that's creating some emotions for you right now. Um, and I just want to make sure that I'm handling this the best way that I can. Can you give me a little bit of insight as what's going on for you right now? You're not listening to me, you bloody idiot. <laughs> okay. And hey, I appreciate your perspective um, on that. So what specifically are you not hearing? I told you, I told you, you were meant to deliver this by this date, you didn't do it, you're giving me excuses. Okay, yeah, and you're exactly right. They are excuses. Um, because when I'm buying things as well, when I'm getting, I, I say exactly the same things that you do. Hey, can I just ask you a question, Nicola? Because um, by the way, do you see, I've admitted I'm at fault, right? Because I am, because they're always the customer. Um, we could invest a lot of time having a chat about that now, or we could get on to solving it for you and getting it there as quickly as we can. Which one would you like? <laughs> I'd like to be angry at you. <laughs> okay, and that's your right to do that. 
right? But at the end of the day, what do you really want? You want your widget to turn up, don't you? Right? Now, that's really easy because we're play acting that. Right? And thank you, Nicola, for being a great... Not, I'm not getting your number. Um, but the context of that is we have to be able to take control of what's going on. Here's, a, here's an analogy. I love lookouts. I love going climbing lookouts. Well, they've got these fences at the top of the mountain, the lookout or whatever, the cliff, and it's this high. Like, seriously. Where if you wanted to jump over, you could, right? But it's a deterrent, clearly. Now, I want to say that that's like the amygdala hijack. That's like the downward spiral. But what we want to do is we're learning more about our emotions and emotional intelligence is halfway up that hill, up that mountain, we recognise that we're going to go to the cliff. And instead of waiting until we're angry, which is, I think, the emotion that was said over here before, by the way, just to be technical, anger is not an emotion. Anger is a state. However, it's one that we use. But what we want to do is work out on the way up when we get frustrated or whatever else we get on the way to getting angry. And then instead of going up here, we can take the road down here and not get to the cliff face. Can you see how that helps with Nicola's analogy or her question? So this is why it's so important for us to be able to know in the moment what's going on. Great question. Next one. So my work has a lot of overlap with where you work as well. And one of the continual questions that comes up at an individual level or for people I'm supporting, people there will be this like, how to get that motivation for the deep change that can be required. Yeah. And I'm interested because you've shared enough with us to know that you found that moment or pathway to profound change. So I'm wondering, was that, uh, was that a moment? Was it a you know, moving to the edge and coming back again? Uh, how did that unfold and, and how do you see that unfolding for people that you work with? Okay. Fantastic question. All right, and right at the start, I said I'm authentic and vulnerable, so I'll give you the answer. As I was going through my corporate career, I think there was about like 19 different people that I could count, and I used to think I was exaggerating, and I don't think I am, might be being conservative, who were telling me, this is what we see from you, all right? And I didn't, I didn't believe it. But what really did it for me was getting to the point where I was totally broken, where I then had this epiphany and where, you know what, there's probably some truth in what those 19 people have been, had told me over my career, over my lifetime. And all it did was open the window just enough for me to put my toe in the water and go, you know what, I'm going to check this out. And that's where I just decided to get some true self-awareness. So that's for me, and I've only given you a little bit of the story there. So what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that we, and it's great to see someone else in the room who spreads this message as well, we've got to get the message out there. We've got to let people understand that this is what this is all about and this is why you're having these challenges, etc. And we've got to attach to their, or get them to a point where they can attach it to their why. You know, you use the term motivation and 
as a keynote speaker, sometimes people will say, um, we want you to come as a motivational speaker. And it's a term that you have to have on your speaker bureau thing, all that sort of stuff, because it's relevant, right? And I do this not to be right, but to serve. I, I, when I get up, if they've introduced me as that, I, I sort of correct that on the spot. Because see, motivation, in my belief, is something that needs to come from within. So if you look on my website, grantherbert.com website, um, you'll see there that I use the word inspiration. So we've got to have an environment that inspires people to get to that point where they're motivated to do something about it. You know, why do I, why do I say that? Like, you know, I could, if you had have asked me to come in and motivate these, but I could do it, let me tell you. I got some energy and you'd come out of it, you'd be pumped. The problem that I find with motivation, external motivation, is that I'm not going back to work with you or I'm not going to your office or I'm not gonna be there tomorrow. And when you're going through what you're going through and, the, and life's happening, you're sort of going, where's that Grant guy gone? So what I always want to make sure that I do is inspire people, and that's what I'm doing in this room today, I hope, to find out more about this stuff and to, and to make the change. And when opportunity and preparedness or brokenness and preparedness meet, it gets people attention, get people's attention and they want to do something about it. My hope is that people don't wait as long as I did because it created a lot of challenges. I'm happily married now for 22 years, a uh, week after next, right? My first marriage lasted seven years. And that created a lot of challenge for me and for the kids of that marriage. And you know, and it's, look, things are fantastic these days, um, probably because I've done some work on myself. But for each of us, we've got to find a time, we've got to find a place where we want to make the change. So if you're talking about others and externally, firstly, we've got to let them understand the culture and the, of emotional intelligence and why these things happen and et cetera, et cetera. But my dad used to say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. When we force feed emotional intelligence training and development, et cetera, on leaders and whatever, um, it doesn't have the, the uptake that it does when they can attach to their why. So, Here's, here's the thing, and I think I'm just about finished am I, with the time. So here's the thing. A company might have a why, or we might have a why as to why we need these people to get some emotional intelligence. That's not enough. We need to firstly help them to understand their why. And I use a very simple coaching technique called chunking to do that, where this is our why, because we want to, you know, get on better with our customers or whatever and increase the bottom line. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna help them to understand how is having a lack of social emotional intelligence affecting them personally, not just at work, but in other areas of their life. And you'll get things where you'll get the presenting answer will be, oh, you know, I'm having, uh, I have, you know, fights with customers. And I go, okay, so let's go a level deeper with that. When you have fights with customers, how does the rest of your day go? Okay, and then when you get home, how much of that do you carry home with you? And when you carry that home, what does that actually steal from you and from your family? Whatever, that's just one example, right? So the key is making sure that people understand the why before we give them the what. Um, and then we can definitely give them some, some, some how to.
So is it okay if I take two minutes? Thank you to uh, everyone. Is it okay if I take two, it'd probably take me three, to explain to you what I promised I would before about that little voice and how to keep it under control? Yeah? Great. Okay. So for those of you who are saying no in your head right now, it's not my fault, it's everybody else's. So I have uh, great, you know, some great grandkids, not great grandkids, I've got some fantastic grandkids. And uh, one of them's two. I've been doing this for that long now. I used to be able to use Imogen, my five-year-old, but uh, I now get to use Carter. So let's just imagine that Carter came um, you know, and, and work with me. He's, I know this wouldn't happen, but he came up the lift and he walked out and he goes, Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandpa. And just imagine if he did that and I just totally ignored him and kept talking to you. Now be nice, but what do you think my little grandson would do? Cry, Cry yeah. What else could he do? Yell louder. Yell louder. Yeah, he's probably thinking, Silly, grey-headed old fella, he's getting that old now, he can't hear me. So he'd get louder and he'd get my attention in some way. And if I just kept it going, I'd be talking to you, walking around with him, hanging off my leg. Because what have I done? I've taught Carter that all he has to do is say my name and he gets my attention. And you and I have done that to our little voice, what I like to call our mini-me, where we've taught it things about ourselves, and we've taught it things to say to us when we do stupid things that go outside our comfort zone. So who here loves speaking in public? You'd love to do what I do for a living? Yep, a couple of you. Apparently, in the world of fears, speaking in public is second to death by fire. <laughs> now, I've been in rooms where I know that people are thinking, Death by fire is worse. For some reason, and I know the reasons, we won't go through it now, people have this fear of speaking in public. So let's say, for some reason, that was me. And for years, I've had those thoughts. And then I go to go, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak in public. My little voice is going to go, what are you doing? Ooh, we don't speak in public. We haven't got anything good to say. What if they laugh? What if we forget our words, etc. So here's what we do when that happens. So I go, hey, Carter, come here, buddy. Excuse me, everyone. Sit over there, listen to Grandpa. I've got to talk to these people for another few minutes, and then you and I are going to get ice cream. Thank you. <laughs> what I've done is I've acknowledged that he's there. And I've given certainty to him that nothing's really changed. And that's the first thing we need to do to that small voice. And we need to go, okay, okay, I hear you. I know I've taught you that before. However, we're going to do something different. And just like I taught you to do that, I know that you can learn, so watch and learn. Now, little caveat here, let's not do this in public, right? If you have to, speak it out loud to get control of that little voice. And then we step up on stage. And we step up on stage and we speak. And my experience, because I teach speaking as well, part of the things we do, and I find those people that never want to speak in public, you've got to give them a hook and get them off. 
Because once they're there speaking for the first two minutes and their head didn't implode and no one threw anything at them, they think, this, how long has this been going on? This is fun. And they get into it, right? So what we're doing at that point is we're training our big voice. Six months later, we having a bad day, we go to do that again. Or we go to do something else that we've controlled in this way. And our big voice now says, hang on a minute. What about when you spoke on stage the other day? And it becomes an empowering voice rather than one that pulls us back. Now let's not diminish the importance of this little voice. We had reasons and it was how we thought about ourselves and our lack of emotional intelligence and all these things for teaching our little voice these things because we think at a subconscious level that it's gonna keep us safe from something. So that's something that's going to take a period of time for you to reprogram that voice. So let me ask you one more time if there's any more questions. There is now, there's a couple over the back. Firstly, young man with the glasses. Be your recommendation for somebody who's now got preparedness to learn rapidly? Okay. A lot more All right, so the first thing I would say, help me with your name? Ian. Ian. Ian, the first thing I would say to you is to take everything that you said there except the rapidly bit. Because what we're doing when we do that, and I'm not saying this is totally true for you, but we can run self-sabotage strategies that say, oh, if I, I've got to get it quick because we know we're not going to be able to do that as a subconscious level, we know this, so it actually stops us from doing anything. You need to realise that it takes a period to build these competencies. So that said, the first thing, as I said, it starts with awareness. Um, so, you know, whether it's uh, reading more up about it, uh, whether it's getting, uh, you know, companies like ours to help you to do a self-assessment on it, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, that's how we get that self-awareness. Now you might have in your mind been thinking of reasons why you need to do this, which has got you to that preparedness point. So the first thing I would suggest while you're working out how you're gonna do that is that you invest some time to sit out and sit down and go, you know, um, what's the benefit of me doing this? And what pain is it gonna take away? And get your why clear as to why you want to do that. But um, I'm going to hang around. You can grab a card if you want to. I'm happy to give you some resources, etc., to help you to get started. Thanks, Ian. We'll grab one more. Um, yeah, uh, Tony Holman. Actually, I just wanted to know what self-awareness um, to you. Ah, fantastic. Alright, so in the context of what we're talking about, self-awareness is knowing what's your internal preferences, states, intuitions. Basically, you know what's going on inside for you. And you know, when you ask that question, why am I thinking this way? Why am I acting this way? You are aware that there's firstly, that there's a problem, that, that, that your behavior, that your thought patterns, etc., are not lining up with success principles and not lining up with where you want them to be. That's what I see self-awareness. Now, you know, obviously self-awareness is being aware of self. Um, it, in a nutshell, that's what it is. 
All right, so hey, thanks very much for having lunch with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I could rattle on about this all day. I'm not allowed to do that. Um, if you do have any more uh, questions, happy for you to connect with me. Uh, LinkedIn's a good place to do that. Um, you can find me on there. Uh, it's something I'm really passionate about to help people. If you need some resources, I'd love to do that as well. So I'll hand it back over to Cami. Thanks very much. Well, thank you, Thank you. Explore the Florence Guild podcast with the best talent from Australia and across the world. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. For more information on Florence Guild, visit florenceguild.com.